0: You didn't think you would be hearing from me for a while, did you? I said that I wasn't going to upload another episode where I'm just speaking into the nothingness into the abyss of the internet since <laughs> it averaged between or averages between three and five listeners per episode, which is because. I have hidden this podcast from my community and my friends because I just wanted some privacy and to connect with different people. So anyway, I just felt compelled this morning to share. (laughs) There's been a huge shift in my life. And one of the best ways for me to process is to just speak it in silence without being interrupted, without having other people's input. And when I state it publicly, it becomes more real for me and I can really sit with the idea and truly decide if that's what I want. So first of all, this year started off with me being determined to not break promises to myself anymore. And one of the main promises I kept breaking every year was going to specific places on the planet. Two, specifically. And I was so angry with myself in 2022 And I made the promise in 2022 that this was going to be the last year, and I meant it with every fiber of my being, but I wasn't able to do it. So I entered 2023 frustrated, angry, anxious, with this idea of finally traveling to these places And I always have a deep, detailed ritual I do to ring in the new year. And I did that this year. And I just fully committed once again. So what happened in 2022 that got me to not fulfill my promise was I obligated myself. To help people who needed help. I'm a very loyal person, not just to other people, but to my values. And when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, even if there's a cost to me. And so while I was happy that I did fulfill my promise, I also was mad at myself because I should have never obligated myself in the first place. (laughs) So come 2023, this year, I looked myself. I want to say in the eye, but it's really in the heart. And I made a covenant with myself, with my heart, to never again let a year pass where I haven't gone where I want to go. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let anything drive me away from going where I want to go. So one of the places is Hawaii. That is the very first place I ever remember wanting to go. actually. It might have been Pennsylvania. (laughs) Regardless, um, Hawaii has been on my heart and mind since before I was 11. And I started setting things up to be there. And I apologize for the incessant dinging in the background. It's like always when I set aside time to do this, there's some type of interruption. I'm not going to restart this recording. I'm just going to let it be what it is. So after I made that agreement, that covenant to go to Hawaii this year, I was going to go in December or January Um, because I was really trying to make it happen. I really wanted to go in January instead of December, but I had found somebody pre- ritual, before the time I did the ritual, who wanted me to move there to the big island in December. And after I did the ritual, and I rung in the new year, I was like, I'm still not doing what I want to do. So Mauna erupted in November, when I was telling everyone I was going to go to Hawaii. (laughs) And I said, it's the big island that I'm going to. And then when Mauna erupted originally, I was like, I don't feel like I'll be able to relax. I don't feel like it'll feel safe. So it was still erupting by the start of the new year. And I had to have a come to me <laughs> moment. Where I realized I was still lying to myself about actually honoring myself, Ugh, which is so irritating. We all do a lot of inner work and personal development and meditate. Well, maybe not all of us, but I like to think that most of us do. I know that I do. And then when I'm moving towards something, I I feel like I've done all the work to make sure it's in complete alignment and it's holding true to the integrity of my soul. But then I realize I'm still sabotaging myself by not actually doing what I completely wanted to do. So I did not truly want to go to the Big Island first. I wanted to go to Oahu, Honolulu. And I was like, I got to stop talking myself out of it. Why am I doing that? That was the question I kept asking in meditation. Why am I doing that? Why do I keep avoiding going to exactly where I want to go? And it's not just Honolulu and Oahu. It's specifically Pearl Harbor. So, I worked through my mental blocks, booked the ticket, which took a while, (laughs) because every time I tried to book it, something came up. And so I worked through that, and then I found an affordable place because, gosh darn it, that place is expensive. Anyway, I had a horrible trek out there, (laughs) which I knew was going to happen. I hate flying, and not just flying, I hate being around some of the people that work for the airlines, because a lot of them have funky fucked up energy. And so that happened. Um, I actually called the airport and reported someone (laughs) for being so unnecessarily uh, rude. So anyway, when I got to Hawaii, and we touched down, and I went from New York and it was snow everywhere in New York. So when I touched down in Hawaii for the first moment, I was like, Whoo! the heat. (laughs) It was night. I could barely see anything, which I was a little bit sad about because I wanted to actually be able to peer out the airplane window and see everything. So I wasn't able to. But I just remember how humid and warm it was. I was like, wow. I got this really nice guy who was the Uber driver, drove me to my... Well, actually, he gave me a lot of pointers of, on where to go. So by time I actually touched down in Hawaii, I feel like I had magical encounters where it was like the perfect person. Such kind... Such kind people. So... I told him it was my first time in Hawaii, he just volunteered information, he told me where to go and why, he drove me around um, to different places with no extra charge. I of course tipped him, but he showed me and pointed out specific places of where to go and why to go there, and I definitely went to those places (laughs) while I was there. So I had like a concierge at the start. So I went to the hotel, Uh, I went to my room, I had extra stuff that I didn't think I was going to get, like a boogie board, uh, an umbrella, a beach um, chair, and the bed was nice, there was air conditioning, I was like, "Ah." (laughs) I was so happy that I was there, and then I woke up the first day when the sun was shining, and I looked out the window, and I was like, I'm here, it was so perfect. It's taken me over 29 years to get there. I don't remember exactly when I decided I wanted to go to Hawaii, but I am 37. So it's taken me a long time to get there. And so I just was having this out-of-body experience of fulfilling that promise finally and working through all that sludge (laughs) to really get there. And I went to the beach. And I just walked. And I saw all the people walking. And I just... I felt whole. I felt happy. I felt complete. That that sense of fulfillment when you complete something. that That feeling of accomplishment. But it's more than that. It was an experience that didn't leave. Like, you know when you, like perhaps graduate college, you get your diploma, you're like, ha, accomplishment, but you don't necessarily sustain that feeling (laughs) for days on end, and maybe even months. So basically, moment by moment by moment, I felt that sense of closure, fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, love, celebratory energy for myself. It was great. And one of the reasons I never wanted to stay in New York during the winter was because it was cold, but also I didn't want to experience myself as if we're still in the pandemic where I don't go outside and don't do anything. So I hate the cold. (laughs) And when there's nothing to really force me to get out of the house, like something I'm really looking forward to, I just stay indoors. And that's what's happened because I'm still in New York. But when I was in Hawaii, I went out every single freaking fucking day and I was happy going on walks. So before that, though, because I only went to Hawaii at the start of this. Well, actually, it was the end of January and the start of February. But before that, I finally went to the other place that I've been wanting to go. And I've been wanting to go to that place even before I knew it existed I didn't know the name, but it's Missouri. So that's why I was like, is it Pennsylvania? Was it Missouri? So Pennsylvania and Missouri were the first states on the mainland that I wanted to go to. And then it was Hawaii and then it was Malta, which eventually I'll get to Malta, but <laughs> and New Zealand is the other place I really want to go to. But anyway, um, I've been scared of going to Missouri. Hawaii, I haven't really been afraid of. But Missouri, I have. And I won't share all the reasons why. But I got a flight, and I rented a car, and I drove for hours to my destination, wondering if I would feel anything, if there would be any internal awakening, any shift in my mental and emotional state. And it far surpassed anything I thought. Actually, the moment we touched down, I got a jolt the moment the airplane touched down. Which was weird. I was like in my head because I knew we were descending. I was like, am I going to feel anything? I'm not going to feel anything. Have we already landed? I don't know if I'm going to feel anything. I don't even know if we've already landed. Boom! We've landed. (laughs) Jolt. (laughs) Um, So I went to the two towns, counties, and I just drove around for hours And I felt so good. I was so happy. I was bursting into tears for no reason. And I was meeting again people that were really, really kind and elevated my experience. And then I rode the wave of that to going to Hawaii. Every single Uber driver I had in Hawaii, except for one, told me something That I feel was divine. One was just like really quiet and like an old man. And he's like, I'm just doing my job. (laughs) The other three Uber drivers were so kind. And they had conversations with me. Um, So I went to Pearl Harbor. And I went to every single event there. I paid for a passport. That. was beautiful, even though, and I cannot even believe this, there were disrespectful people of the uh, sacredness, the sanctity of those hallowed grounds. I could not believe it. So when you drive, or rather, when you're driven on the boat to the um, USS Arizona Memorial, They tell you that this is a grave site and to treat it respectfully and to not take pictures when you're entering, but you can take pictures when exiting. And people were like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Nope. Most of us didn't, but there were like two people who did and they were called out. I was so thankful. I didn't see them do it. I heard someone correcting them and they're like, they said no pictures. And I was like, yeah, you get on them. Because it was such, I don't think I've ever experienced that feeling of the death, of the parents' sorrow, of the family's mourning, of the attack, of the fact that it propelled us into war and that everyone kept saying, remember Pearl Harbor? And then, of course, those souls, those young men, and some older, who didn't know what the hell was happening. They just, their lives were snuffed out, some fast, some slowly. And they're all entombed there. I did not know that there were over a thousand military service members entombed still within the USS Arizona I might be wrong it might be 900 but I I thought it was a thousand but even if it's 900 800 600 100 it still matters and you could just feel the weight of that So I didn't research it completely because I, I'm tired of living my life through the internet first and then experiencing it through life. So I just knew I wanted to go to Pearl Harbor, but I did not research what it looked like. So when I was there, I was first introduced to what it looked like. And I had no idea that the ship was underneath the memorial. And So that struck me. And then I went to the USS Missouri, which was the boat where the treaty was signed with the Japanese, and there was this lovely Japanese man giving us the tour, and he talked about the silk used for the um, gunpowder, and this, I don't even want to repeat what she said, this person next to me said something of the effect that it was a waste to use silk, and I was just like, I couldn't believe that she would say that verbally. Like, you can think that, but why would the freak would you say that out loud among all these people who are there to honor the lives of the deceased? Maybe they weren't all there for the same reason. <laughs> you know, maybe it was very touristy. That was my biggest problem with Pearl Harbor. It was too touristy. So after seeing people be disrespectful... I really wanted to be where everyone's being very respectful. And when I arrived there, the first Uber driver told me to go to Punchbowl. And I didn't know about Punchbowl. <laughs> so I went to Punchbowl, which, if I had done all the research online before going, I would have known for certain that I was going to go to Punchbowl um, because that actually was. The main place, Pearl Harbor and Punchbowl were the main places that I had always envisioned myself going to through meditation. I just didn't know it was Punchbowl. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know all the aspects that they had there. I thought it was all at Pearl Harbor. I didn't know they were separate. So I went there and that was the golden experience. There was no one being disrespectful. There's no one being rude. It didn't feel the same way. It felt peaceful, as most um, cemeteries do for me. I love being in cemeteries because it's just so, I don't know, sacred, it's quiet. You can feel the energy of the other side more, at least for me, I can. And I walked it for hours. One of the maintenance person, when I was standing at the entrance because I had ordered an Uber, he was like, she's still here. (laughs) (laughs) I had been there for over two hours. I think I was there for um, over three hours. I was just walking around, reading the names on the tombstones, going to the different plaques, reading them, saying prayers, doing rituals, um, doing everything I felt I needed to do to honor um, all of their lives. All of their sacrifice. I didn't even know that there was like a chapel or like a, a temple there. It looks like a church and you go there, you can pray, you can meditate. There's a book where people sign and, and write things and I read what was written in the book by all these other people. It made me bawl my eyes out. Because every single thing that was written there was recognition and acknowledgement of the sacrifice. Um, and honoring them. There was an Australian who said, had the U.S. not joined World War II, Australia would have definitely fallen into the Japanese control and we would not have the freedom that we have today. And he was thanking them. And just so many other positive words. I felt so whole there. And there was a name that I was searching for. I thought it was at the Pearl Harbor, um memorial but it was there I found the name I put flowers there I meditated there I saw other people putting flowers on tombstones and then after they left I'd go up and honor that life those people holding the light of that deceased family member's uh, memory alive it was just beautiful I have zero complaints. And then afterwards, I went to Diamond Head, um, which was also used by the military. And Diamond Head was... <laughs> it was rough on my body because I am out of shape, um, which I'm getting into shape now. That's why I wanted to be in Hawaii because I wanted to walk everywhere. I want to get in shape again. Um, I also went to the Honolulu Zoo. Um... I I didn't go into but I I went across paths with the um Lalani I don't say I'm, I don't think I'm saying it correctly but um the palace of the former queen. So I didn't know a little bit of history about Hawaii but I only learned it I think in 2020 or 2021 that the US government essentially stole Hawaii from the Hawaiians, that they imprisoned the Queen and like forced her to sign... (sighs) Anyway, and then I also didn't know that... Hawaiians are not the main population in Hawaii anymore, and they haven't been for... a long time, nearly a hundred years, and I was just like, this is sad, but... I talked to a few Hawaiians... And I just loved hearing them. Like, I wanted to see Hawaiians there. Not to say that I didn't like that there were Filipinos and Japanese and Chinese people. I love uh, Asians. I always have. And I love their culture. Um, But I I was specifically looking for Hawaiians. And um, there were two that really, three that stood out to me that I I really, and they're all women, that I really connected with and I had conversations with and I sent blessings their way before I left. And when I came back, I was different. And I'm not sharing all the mystical experiences I had there, just because sometimes things are so sacred, they have to remain in silence. But when I got back, I decided to meditate and fast. After which, I got a newfound awareness about what's next for me. So I've been serving as an interfaith minister for many years, non-denominational minister for many years. Um, I would say I started really in 2009. Um, Well, I'd say more so 2010. And then I really fully committed between 2012 and 2013. Then I got a spiritual center in 2014. And since then, I've been, to the best of my ability, of service to the spiritual community. And then I went through other churches to get ordinations. Um, Basically, it's who I am. I've been doing it for over a decade. And the next step is to become a chaplain, potentially in the military. I had no plans whatsoever to do this, but when I got back and on the last day of fasting, the realization just, it was there in my brain and it never went away. And every time I sat with it, every time I held it in my heart, it came through as that is the right fit. So I'm probably going back to school because I never finished seminary school. Um, I couldn't find a seminary school that I really felt was right for me. And I talked to the minister in one of my UU churches, Universal Unitarianism, or Universalist. So I mainly identify as spiritual, but spiritualism is the faith group I am ordained through. And UU is a church, a faith, a tradition that I've always found myself going to and connecting with people and being a member of the church and also unity. So I connected with her last year and she told me the school she went to. And I was just like, this is perfect. Because I've been researching and none of the ones, it was just taking up so much of my time and none of the ones were really jiving with me. There were so many schools to like research and I was working. And then she said, oh, I went to this school and that school. And I looked up those schools and both of them were perfect, so I, I stopped searching. <laughs> I was like, I found the ones I'm supposed to go to. Um, but then there's all this craziness about transcripts, and I found out that the high school that I graduated from is no longer here, so then I have to go through all these other hoops and loops to get the transcript, the high school transcript. Um, the easiest one was uh, one of the universities I took college courses from, um, in 2004 and five, they sent it like within two hours. Um, and then there's another trade school I went to and they're taking a long time and I'm just like, is this going to happen by March? Am I going to be enrolled by March? So the only reason I'm like putting pressure on myself to do it by a certain time is because The military has an age limit and I'm right on the cusp. (laughs) And I want to be a chaplain candidate. I don't want to just like wait until I'm an actual uh, uh, chaplain. So this feels right in my soul. I, of course, will still be a writer. I'll still work on my stories. But for like between the two, I always tell people my writing is the most important thing to me, but it's because I've already done ministry for so long. And if God asks me, either you're going to be a writer or a minister, choose one, which one's more important, it would be ministry. Um, So if I never accomplish the level of success I want with my writing, I will be okay. Because I connect directly with people on a regular basis, I strive to elevate their life experiences. And from my years of working with people, it seems that I have helped. I've lightened someone's load. I've motivated them. I've assisted with healing. I've offered insights. I've just been a sojourner in life so that they know that they're not alone that someone cares. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. And I just don't feel like I'd be able to serve in the next 20 years the way I want to, just doing it how I've been doing it. One of the biggest problems was I didn't have enough support. Um, It's very, very hard to find... Enough spiritualist organizations that are really supporting their ministers. But UU has a lot more. And so I'm going to go to a UU seminary school, most likely. I'm going to take an accelerated uh, college degree to finish my bachelor's. And then I'm well on my way to fulfilling one of my next dreams. Oprah says... Once you fulfill every single thing that you set out for yourself, you, you then have to dream a bigger dream. And sometimes you have to dream a better dream. Sometimes those dreams are not really your dreams, which Charlemagne the God says. <laughs> he says, fuck to your dreams if they're not really your dreams. And I've been really good at that with only striving towards things that I genuinely want to do. And I actually was going to join the military when I was 17, 18. I'd gone through the whole process. I had a recruiter. I had tested. But because of that stupid war in Afghanistan, I just didn't feel like it was the right time to enroll or unless the war felt dishonorable. And I know a lot of people have different viewpoints. And my uncle was in Afghanistan helping. Um, I have other military members of my generation um, and they have varying depin- uh, opinions. But I do not, I did not want to be involved in that war. It just felt dishonorable for me to participate when I was 17 and 18. And uh, I was only 16 for a few months, for two months, when, actually less than two months, when um, the attack on the World Trade Center has happened. So, had that never happened, I more than likely would have joined the military. But I would have been like a soldier. And chaplaincy is so much more in alignment with me. So, we'll see what happens. I'm talking to a recruiter tonight. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the Navy, the Air Force the Coast Guard, the National Guard, the Army. Spirit hasn't clarified that in meditation and prayer yet. But I just felt like I needed to share this. It's so big because I had no intention. And now this is the thing I know for sure that I'm moving towards. Like if something happens with my writing career, I probably will pivot and go with the writing at this point in my life because I can be a chaplain in a correctional, facility, a hospital, it doesn't have to be the military, but just from being in Pearl Harbor and Punch Bowl, I just felt like, and actually seeing Navy, uh, not Navy, well yes, Navy and other military personnel around, it just felt like, ah, that's what I'm supposed to be a part of. And also when I was in Hawaii, I got these new stories that I'm writing. There's a new story called Pearl of the Brave and I'm writing that as a screenplay and that would not have happened had I not gone to Hawaii. And had I gone to Hawaii any time sooner, I don't think I would have been in the right frame of mind to like have that dream and write the screenplay. So it kind of just feels like everything is happening perfectly and in divine timing. If... I can be a chaplain and a writer and a mother for the rest of my life, then it's been a good life. And I wish the same clarity of mine and the motivation and courage to move towards your goals that I have and and beyond. Blessings to all of you.